0: Hey, you're listening to the Innovate for Impact podcast, it's Dan Bentley here and I'm joined by Tracy Newman. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, we'd just like to start with an acknowledgement of country. So I'm still up in Sydney, I'm in the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations. I'd like to pay my respects to the Elders past, present and emerging.
1: And I'm recording here in Adelaide, so I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana as custodians of the Adelaide region and pay my respects also.
0: So today what we're going to talk about is how every organisation needs an innovation process and how an innovation process can ensure that your organization is innovative and impactful in the way that it operates. So this one falls into the pillar of empowered people, which is something that we do speak about a fair bit on this podcast. And the most innovative and impactful organizations, they empower their people so that they make creating change possible, and they make creating change easy for their people. And one of the key areas of that is having an innovation process for your people so that if they see an opportunity or they get an insight, that they're able to do something about it and make a change in the organization.
1: Yeah, these are the most innovative and impactful organisation and, of course, the primary reason why you want to make this innovation possible is because we know that that leads to that increased impact and effectiveness. If you can take away the things that are getting in the way of delivering great quality services and getting in the way of of your people being able to effectively support the people that your organisation is out to support, then that is going to lead to that increased impact and effectiveness.
0: Yeah. And if you're a senior leader of an organisation, before you go, oh, I might skip this podcast and listen to something else because I'm pretty sure we've got this down pat, we highly recommend you don't do that just yet. Because what we often find is often when we go out and work with Leaders of organizations, they will quite often say, Yes, we have this. We have a process. It's great. But often when we go and speak to people around the rest of the organization, they don't agree with that. And so what we're going to do today is just sort of go through in a bit more detail around, well, what does good look like for this? Because, you know, there's obviously some process, if that's what these senior leaders believe, the solution has already been, you know, implemented and that it's available for people. But What are some of the things that don't work and why is there that disconnect? Because it is quite a common thing that we find across all sorts of organisations in this sector.
1: Absolutely. And if you want a shortcut to know how well your innovation process is working, think about the last things that were implemented within your organisation and where that innovation came from. And if you can't think of a recent innovation that was led by your people, there's a fair chance your innovation process has got some blockage somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I think what we see a lot of the time is innovation processes, they're not equitable, like they're not equally accessible for all people in the organization. So, it might be that certain roles within the organization, certain departments, certain people are able to get changed through. But can you ask yourself this question and answer yes and be really confident of it, but is it actually possible for anyone in the organization to change something if it's going to get you a better outcome? Because that's the question that we like to ask. And like Tracy said, you might say yes to that, but then you've got to also back that up with, well, here's a couple of examples that have happened in the last six months of where they have come from all different parts of the organization. I think if you can say that, it's pretty safe to say you might, but if not, well, keep listening along because we've got some other tips on what that could look like and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. When we're talking about an innovation process, like what are we actually talking about here? And so to sort of clarify that, what we're talking about is a way for people to be able to make change that improves the organization. And when we talk about a way, it's got to be a way that everybody understands and that they know how to use it and that it leads to action as opposed to leads to lots of conversations, but not anything really changing. And sometimes it can just be a cardboard box, as it used to be back in the day, you know, a tissue box covered in some wrapping paper with a a sign on the side that says suggestions or ideas.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is probably the most lo-fi version of it. Like that's one end of the scale. Other organizations, it can look like some sort of idea sourcing platform that you've implemented where people can suggest things and people can upvote and select, you know, the ones that they like the most. And then there's a team of people that then go off and, you know, investigate them further and implement them. There's all sorts of different versions and things in between. The, the idea sourcing platforms can work. The only thing we'd say about them is they're kind of done behind closed doors in a way. You have to have a really high engagement and it's a lot of marketing of that internally to really get that off the ground. The other version that we see is where people from across different areas of the organization there might be a way that people can submit their ideas it could be you know something as simple as a form that goes into an email box or they give it to a particular person or something like that and then there's representatives from all the different areas who then take those ideas to a central meeting and they look at prioritizing some of these insights and understanding them further and that way of doing it can be a very collaborative way And it's very human and these people are sort of like play the role of champions and can sort of go in and and, and talk about these ideas at this table and, and collaborate in a way to be able to get a solution or something off the ground where they can move forward with it.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I've found in implementing these programs across many different organizations is that it really is down to the engagement of people. And it's also down to having a diverse representation so that you're not having someone sort of prioritising something that is really just sort of moving a bottleneck from one team to another. So having all of those different representatives of different teams that understand how different systems work and for them to be able to make really good quality decisions, understanding the impacts on all of the other aspects of that client's journey within your organisation is really powerful.
0: Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and Head of Impact at Impactor Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact Training Program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the Co-Design Workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. Another thing that we also see as well that works is that having people focusing on not just ideas but also on insights and the reason why is because at the moment, if you looked at any idea in box, it's probably AI is probably in there for 70% of the answers <laughs> or some sort of like CRM or something, right? Like you kind of just get similar solutions at different times, like 10 years ago or whatever, it was like an app. We need an app for this. You kind of get similar solutions. I think one of the things you would really want to encourage as a leader when you're doing something like this in an organization is ideas are fine, but what's the idea? What's the insight? That the idea is there to improve. You know, we got to be really careful here too that we don't want to just keep this as a completely internal exercise. When we look at insights, then we can go, well, look, we actually don't understand that enough. We should go and speak to some people. And when I say people, some clients or some users or whatever that might look like, and find out a little bit more about this. And then we will be really clear on what that idea looks like. It's really important to be able to have that insight as part of that discussion. So we just don't get caught up in, you know, coming up with internal ideas that, and not what people actually want.
1: Yeah, we do run the risk of chasing shiny things. And as you said, often that is technology and technology isn't always the most appropriate way to solve something for somebody. In fact, sometimes the low tech option that is quick and easy to implement can be far more effective.
0: I agree. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if we have a high tech solution for a lot of our problems, it's going to be really hard to move forward. Because yeah, you know, they require, especially in large organisations, a lot of signing off from different people. Whereas sometimes changing a process or just changing something slightly that makes a huge difference for the user or the client can you know have just as big an impact but be much easier to implement.
1: Yeah, I think the other risk when you're not working firmly from a basis of insights is that you're continually adding you know, we want this new technology, we want this new thing, we want this extra thing. Whereas sometimes, again, there's equal value or sometimes more value in taking something away. So I think a great example is during COVID, there was lots of talk of innovation because people were moving forms online instead of people having to go in, line up, fill out a form. And it was like, well, you know, this is so innovative because now it's online. It's like, well, All that's done is moved something from one place to another place, whereas, you know, potentially, like how could we get rid of this form altogether might have been a much more interesting innovation and potentially a a lot more beneficial for the end user there, which is usually the person filling out the form.
0: Yeah, all those organizations that did it well where they tapped into existing data sets, you know, they're able to pull information from, say, Vic Rhodes database or the Australian Post database so that the person wasn't having to type in their address or their details, you know, like that sort of thing as well was really clever rather than just, you know, like you said, Trace, just chucking the same questions in a, on an online form rather than a paper form. There's many different solutions uh, for what this looks like, but I think you're sort of getting the idea here. There's not there's not one. They all sort of have pros and cons. But I guess what you need to think about is well, what's right for our organization? And the big thing that you're looking for here is is to make sure that it's something that everybody can play a role in. And once it is decided on, and once you have created it, it is then about making sure that everybody then knows about it and is using it. You know, really another big trap that we see too is that. People have a really great process for this, but then what happens is you create that bottleneck like what Tracy was talking about before of ideas and none of them get implemented or only very few of them get implemented. Now, you can imagine from people across the organization, if this sort of thing doesn't actually make change, they just lose interest in it very quickly. So, all that work you've done to internally market this kind of goes down the drain if you're not getting runs on the board straight away. So we always recommend as well is to have as a team, have a really clear criteria around what are the sorts of things that you're looking to change? Like what are the sorts of areas that you're focused on? What is the criteria for if somebody wants to present an insight and an idea, what information do you need to make a decision? Like if you can sort of create a bit of a criteria that everybody's really clear on, then that means that the stuff that comes to you is going to be of the quality that you need to make decisions on it.
1: Also, as part of that process, circle back and give people feedback on potentially why something isn't making it to the top of the queue. And when you've got that clear criteria and you're able to sort of go back to them and say, well, you know, this is our criteria. And the reason we made this decision is based on this, this, and this. It then enables people to go, oh, wow, it didn't just disappear into a black hole. My idea has been reviewed. And, you know, people are rational and reasonable. They appreciate that other things are going to take priority. It's just that when they don't hear anything because it's number 12 on the list and we're still working at number two, then they're not really sure of what happened to it afterwards. So it is about circling back and keeping up that level of communication.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, yeah, because sometimes that no is not a flat-out no, it's a not now, but it's on our list. And so when people know that, that's great and they will keep submitting Insights and ideas. But if they don't know that, like you said, Trace, they're just going to go, Oh, well, what was the point of that? I collected all this information that they wanted me to collect and then they didn't do anything with it. You know, this is like what it's always like. (laughs) You know, you hear that a lot, uh, whether that be true or not. I think that's the other thing, too. Make it easy for people to submit stuff. I know we just talked about having a criteria to make a decision, but maybe you have different levels of that. So maybe at the start, you only need a small amount of information, but as you progress with the ideas, you maybe you need more of it. Then I don't know. There's lots of different ways you can implement it, but my point is that you've got to think about the user experience from the perspective of your staff. And if that process is really, really long, and it you know you've got people that are in working in under resourced frontline roles, you've got to think about what would we need to make so that these people can actually be involved. We had somebody from Starlight's Children's Fa- Foundation on a while ago, and they were talking about how they have like an innovation inbox, and the people who are out there, their Captain Starlights, who are working with the children, they, you know, they're busy, they're always out in the road, but they said to them, "You can tell us in whatever way you'd like. You could send us a video, you could do a voice to text, you could text it in, you can do anything." But Basically, it just needs these things in it and needs to go to this inbox. So they were really flexible with the method, but they were very clear on what was required. And that enabled these people who were out on the road and were busy to make sure that they felt like they could be involved. And that's really important.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because it is actually at that level that you get some of your most valuable insights. And so often we see there's all of this amazing information that's within an organisation. Generally, you know, within the, the people who are out delivering services, they've got this wealth of information. And then what we also see is that there's a leadership team going, you know, I wish we understood more about what was really important and we had that information when we're making this decision. So having that clear pathway is really valuable.
0: All right. So there you go. We've covered a, a few different things you need to look out for when you are implementing an innovation process in your organization. Like we've said, it can look in many different ways. I guess there's no right answer. I guess there's just some considerations that you need to take into account, which is what we've mentioned. But you really do want to design something that's going to work for your specific organization. And as we know, so many organizations are different. So thanks for joining us on that. Hope it was helpful. And we'll catch you all on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.